Welcome back to the Misha All Access Podcast. This is Dr. Jennifer Ruckstad, the Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Today with me in the studio is Lou Mazzacco, Assistant Executive Director for the Sport of Track and Field. And that's the championship we're going to be previewing today. So Lou, welcome. Good afternoon. We are interested in learning everything we can today about the track and field championships, minus who's going to be there because we just don't know who will qualify. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that. So let's start with the specifics. Where and when are the Missouri State High School Activities Association's track and field championships? Well, track and field as historically for, I want to say, probably at least the last 40 years, if not a little bit more, will be in Jefferson City. For a number of years, hosted at Lincoln, but now we are Jefferson City High School, Licklider Track, Hall of Fame coach Dennis Licklider and his wife, the track is named after. So we are there the last two weekends of May, May 19th and 20th, and then the 26th and 27th. And we're separated into two weekends just by the virtue of the number of individuals that we bring in. Classes one and two will compete the first week this year. And classes three through five will compete the second week. Okay, so how does an athlete and or a school qualify for the state track meet? So track and field is very, it's an individual sport. And there is no, the team component is by how individuals score. So really, there is no team advancement in track and field. It is purely individual. So we have districts. There are eight districts per class. Track and field is broken into five classifications, boys and girls, and then eight districts per class. In those eight districts, the top four in each of the events advances on to sectionals. Two districts meet up to meet at sectionals. So you'll have eight competitors at sectionals. They run, if it's the 100-meter dash, they're going to run one race, and the top four out of that race advance on to state. We end up with four sectionals. We bring in four from each sectional, so we have 16 qualifiers per event coming out of sectionals to the state championships. Okay. So can I, if I'm, if I'm a high school track and field athlete, could I enter every single event and, and come to state in every single event? No. The National Federation has limitations on the number of events you may be entered and compete in. And actually, we have a rule change this year that, that clarified that. So a individual can only compete in four events in a given track meet. So that can be a combination of an individual running event, relays, field events. It is possible for an individual now to be entered in more than four if some of those are relays. And that is is that you can be listed as an alternate on multiple relays. But when you compete, it is four. The maximum events you can compete in at any meet is four. Okay, so let's go back to this team component because we know that only individuals qualify for the state and track and field championships, but then there's a team winner and it's yep. based on team points as accumulated by the individuals from your school. And there's there's lore out there. There's there are these these stories of especially in smaller schools one individual winning a state championship for that school. Is that is that even possible? It is in very unique situations. I can't honestly remember and and I'm I oversee track and field in my second year, but prior to joining the office, I was the awards announcer for 20 years. And so you you get the feel of those. 
I know that we had one competitor at Columbia Independent School who scored quite a few points and got a trophy herself, but I don't believe she won a state championship. The ones that I can remember the best, we had a female athlete from Festus, phenomenal track and field athlete, moved on. And then, so she was there, and I believe she had, there were two twin sisters. And the twin sisters kind of dominated the the distance events, and the other athlete dominated some of the running events, but the field events, she ended up being a, a heptathlete in college. But those three won two state championships, I believe, if I'm recalling correct. And that, oh, and wow. so that's the smallest group that I've seen, but it is possible. And, and how it works is as you finish in an event, whether running, relay, or field event, we score eight positions. The top eight earn team points. And so first place is 10 points and it's a 10, 8, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. So eighth place scores one point. If there is a tie, we don't have many ties anymore, but if there's a tie, we add the two sets of points together and then split them, and each of the two tied individuals shares those points. But as an individual competes, if you have a really good team in the sprints, maybe you have an individual that wins the 100 and the 200, and then a group of them win the 4x100 and the 4x200, you might accumulate 40 points in those four races. And then sometimes that's a pretty dominant performance and can get you on the trophy stand for the team. But I will tell you that track and field in my time has has really expanded and grown in the state of Missouri to where it's really tough to see those small groups that can place on the trophy anymore because we've got coaches who are invested in getting a lot of kids out and providing a lot of opportunity for qualifiers to get to state. Okay. So you mentioned in, as you were talking about that, you mentioned the heptathlon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do we have the heptathlon in high school track and field? It is a permissible event, but we do not, it is not a championship event for us in the state of Missouri. Okay. So, so what events, and, and you don't, you don't have to have an exhaustive list, but you know, some, sometimes there's a one mile race and sometimes there's a 1600. Sometimes there's a two mile race and sometimes it's the 3200. So what for Missouri, for Misha, what's the state track and field meet? What events do we have? Well, first of all, I'm going to say this. In the state of Missouri, we are all metric now. Okay. So all of our races are run on meters, and now all of our field events are measured with the metric system. There are 19 total events that comprise our championship. There are eight individual running events from the 100-meter dash up to the 3,200-meter run. 3,200 meters often is called the two-mile. It's close, but not quite. And then we have the four relays, that is the 4x1, 4x2, 4, and 8. And then we have seven field events. Two of those are vertical jumps, two of them are horizontal jumps, and then there are three throwing events. Okay. The third throwing event, the javelin, is is that our newest event? The javelin is our newest event, yes. I'm estimating it's about 10 years old now because I was trying to calculate back in my mind time frame of being in the office and preceding the office and when did we add javelin but i'm pretty sure that we're this will be our 10th year i may be off a year or two there but 10 years so we're hosting in weekend one where we have class one and two boys and girls we're actually hosting four track meets in one correct one for each class in each gender correct and it's a two-day event Mm -hmm. so does everything happen in succession 
or do we have events going on on top of each other and, and kind of how is it organized? So obviously when we're running and throwing and jumping, there is a lot of motion going on at event level in Jefferson City. We will be running almost nonstop all day long. Day one is for the most part preliminaries. There are some finals on day one in distance events and then there are field events going on. And because, for example, you said correctly, we have four meets going on, boys, girls, class one, class two in the first weekend. And what we do in the field events is we have a schedule set up to where, for example, on day one, the class one girls may be doing discus and the class two boys doing shot put. And then in the morning and then in the afternoon, the class two girls are doing the discus and the class one boys are doing the shot put. And so there's a rotation so that coaches can get to different field events that they may be covering. And then the next day, the opposite genders, the opposite classes fill in those field events. Day two for running events is all finals. The events that we have on day one that we have finals in are the 4 by 800 meter relay, the 800, the 1600, and the 3200, kind of the distance events. They run one race, either day one or day two, depending on their gender. And then everything else below that in distance. So the 400, 200, 100, the hurdles, and the 4x1, 4x2, and 4x4 relays all have a preliminary on day one or Friday. And then they run a final, the top eight run again on Saturday for the final. So it's possible I could qualify in one event, a running event, either a sprint or middle distance by track and field terms. I run in my prelim and I'm done. That is correct. Okay. It's also possible that I can be in multiple events and, you know, qualify in some and not in others. And it's a two-day event for me. If I'm wanting to watch this, if I have a child who's qualified or a, or a neighbor or an interested party, if I want to watch, how do I follow this doggone thing? Well, first of all, we have a great program that kind of puts the order of events, has the time when they're running. The tentative schedule for this year is already up and posted on Information Central. So if you are considering watching or you think you have a, a relative or a child who's going to run, you can actually go on to the Misha website, misha.org, go to the track and field page, and on the about the middle of that page is an Information Central link, and it has the tentative schedules up on it. So you can kind of figure out student you want to watch when they're running, and you can kind of get an idea of what part of the day you would be wanting to be at the track and field meet. It is a two-ticket event, a Friday and a Saturday. You purchase a ticket for each. We also do stream the track and field championships on Misha.tv. It doesn't necessarily get all the events. It is a kind of a highlight type event. They will try to get the finish line, but they'll get out and they'll get some video of field events as well. But it's not a comprehensive broadcast. It is more of a highlight broadcast. So there are two opportunities to watch and to view. But come on down to Jeff City. It is a great environment. I have had the luxury of being involved with a lot of our events now in the office, but prior to being in. But the energy level that you get at track and field, especially if you've ever been to a, a NASCAR or an IndyCar event, you know, the crowd gets loud as the cars go by. Same thing happens. Down that front stretch, down to the finish line, as kids are coming in, the crowd cheers on not just their kid, but they cheer on every kid a lot of times. And it, it's just a spectacular event, especially for the crowd and sitting in the grandstand. Jeff City sits a little over 5,000 in their grandstand, and we've packed it up pretty full most years. If I want to come, like... 
Okay. The athlete I came to watch is running a two o'clock race. Mm -hmm. By when should I be parking in order to be in a seat to watch that athlete perform? I would tell you you want to be parking about two hours prior. Now, unless we get into a weather event, we do not run events early. So when you see that published time, we are running at that time or even a little bit later than that time. But I would say two hours ahead of time is comfortable. Jefferson City High School has a lot of parking around it. There is a fee to park around Jefferson City High School. There is some public parking. But to get parked, find a spot, get to the entrance, to get scanned in, and then find a seat, I would give myself plenty of time. Just two hours is probably a good target. So When you first said that, I thought, ah, that's not enough. And then I, I kind of... Went back in my memory to times when I'd been a high school administrator, an athletic administrator, and thinking I had plenty of time and really cutting it close. Because there's, there's a lot to all the parking and the getting in, and, and track and field venue is very large. We've got the jump pits, we've got you know the track and, and the warm-up areas, and you can't go directly from your car to your seat. You've got to go around things. Yes. You have, there's a lot of walking. Again, finding a seat is not that easy. You know, people stay for the whole day and they take up large areas. And it is a thing to come in and watch that race. And in some cases, we're talking 10 or 15 seconds that the race takes. If we're talking about the 100-meter dash. But that is a piece of coming to watch. It's, it, a, it's an investment of time. It is. It very much is. And, and two hours would be my minimum. Now, I enjoy the sport of track and field, so I don't mind watching other events and things like that. So I probably would watch all day myself personally, but I would say two hours is the minimum because you are right. There are things to negotiate. The other part, when you come into Jefferson City, because where our runner's village, our tent city is, is actually across a major thoroughfare in Jefferson City, we actually close a road down and have limited access to just team vehicles, which means... You may know Jeff City and you may know Jeff City High School and think, ah, I can come in, I can drive through, and then you're going to run into a roadblock because we have roads shut down. We have roads that are one way only to protect our athletes as they are coming back and forth from the event venue to where they're able to stage and relax when they're not competing. You talked about Tent City. We try to get a feel for the culture and the environment of our championships when we, when we do these preview podcasts. You talked about the excitement and the energy during a race at Jefferson City High School, a really large grandstand. It does get pretty exciting. What's going on when kids are not competing? Tell us about kind of, they may be there all day. So what are they doing? Well, a lot of them will stay in the venue. Event level is a restricted area. It is for competing athletes and for coaches only and the workers. So there is a lot of room for athletes who are not competing at a given time to, to watch their teammates, watch other races. You'll have pole vaulters from one gender, one class, watching pole vaulters from another gender, another class. It gives them an opportunity to see other people and friends maybe that they've competed against. But a lot of them do spend time in Tent City. So south of the stadium, and I use south generally in Jefferson City because not everything aligns, but south there is a field that is open Jefferson City does a nice job. They kind of line it to kind of help keep it organized, have rows and lanes and trash cans. But lots of these teams, they'll bring in a 10 by 10 or a 10 by 20 tent. They'll set it up. They're going to have water jugs as weight because we don't allow stakes. 
but they will put a tarp down. There will be sleeping bags. There will be pillows. You sneak over there, they'll have coolers with snacks and everything, but it's a, it truly is a place for the kids to decompress and to stay out of the sun. Not saying it's necessarily cool in some of those tents on a warm day, but it is a place for them to decompress. It is not necessarily restricted from spectators, but because of the nature of where it's located, they don't get inundated with a lot of spectators, which I think is a good thing for those athletes too. They're not having to worry about mom and dad or other friends coming in and bugging them. They can focus, they can have a downtime and relax in between events. You may not be able to answer this question. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it though. If I don't have, you know, someone I'm interested in, but I'm kind of interested in the sport, how can I get information about maybe a little bit of the the athletic backstory on some of these athletes? How do I know who the favorites are? How do I know about some of those times that they've hit in the season? How do I know about records? You know, do I have do we have someone we're watching that may may have a chance at either the class or the state record? I guess my question is, how can I do my homework prior to the state track and field championships? We do have a partnership. We have a, we entered in, I want to say we're in the fifth year of it. We have a partnership with milesplit.com and our site is momilesplit.com. The way that we work is, is that with this partnership, all of our students who are put on an eligibility roster are uploaded to MoMilesplit, which allows for coaches and administrators to create events to enter events, to register their students. And so all of our schools are supposed to use MileSplit for their events and registration, as well as uploading results. And so every meet in the state of Missouri is supposed to have its results uploaded to MileSplit. MileSplit has some basic rankings that you can get. They also do have a membership, as any website of this nature does, where you can get more stuff if you buy a membership. But that is a place where you can see top rankings of here are the fastest 100-meter dash competitors in the state of Missouri in boys and then in girls. They actually allow you, you can kind of drill it down by gender, by class. And once we get the districts uploaded, you'll even be able to look at rankings by district as well. So MoMileSplit.com is a place where a lot of that stuff is housed. I will also tell you that our track and field record book which is a championship site record book. It's unique in that way. But on Misha.org also, if you're just interested in, you know, who has got the fastest hundred in Missouri state history at the state track championships, you can get on the website and see that there. Coaches. We've got lots and lots of coaches. A track team, uh, depending on the school, and could have a lot of coaches, one coach or a lot of coaches. Yeah. In individual sports, the coach's role during competition is different per sport. Right. We have a different situation for golf as we do for tennis, as we do for wrestling. So is a coach actually coaching their athlete while that race or that throwing event is going on? How do the coaches interact with the students during competition? So there can be a lot of cheering that's going on as competition is going on, but there's also the opportunity to coach a lot in between, like a throwing event. An athlete can make a throw and then they can walk over to the coach's box and they can talk and their coach can coach them up and give them mechanics and say, hey, I saw you did this. Or maybe you need to start your rotation another, you know, quarter turn or eighth turn more. And they can make those adjustments right there. It is legal to have video. Video is only allowed to be viewed in unrestricted areas or in coaches' boxes. 
at the state meet for us, there's a lot of unrestricted area for that to go on. We actually limit coaches box coaching, but yeah, there's a lot of coaching that can go on. Things that can't happen, it's actually illegal for a coach to pace a runner. So it's not like a coach could run along with them. Now, that tends to not be an issue for us because once we start on a given day, one area that is restricted where coaches are not allowed to be is the infield inside. They are all outside the fence, and if you haven't been, when you go, you'll understand why they can't really pace outside the fence, because our event level is busy. I mean, it it really is. When does an athlete get their medal? So, (laughs) depending on what the event is, but like I said, Saturday, day two, is all finals on the running event. You want to see us be an efficient machine, it's on day two of state track, because we typically, we have... I refer to him as our herder, but we have a worker that collects everybody on the track in most events on day two is getting a medal. So when the girls class 100 meter dash gets done, as soon as the head referee and the clerk release them, this person grabs those eight people, walks them down to our awards tent area. Hopefully by that time we have an iPad down there. The results have been posted and finalized. And we'll actually march them right up onto the award stand and we'll present their medals. Sometimes they are literally not sitting down. They are walking from the finish line, getting an order, stepping up on a podium. We are presenting them medals. We have a great group, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that help us with that, draping medals. We get a picture taken. They wave to the crowd and we send them on their way. Lots of times that is very smooth. Other times it gets a little rough. Field events. It's a little bit different as they finish up. They bring them in, takes more time to verify those results. And sometimes we lose kids because kids do compete in multiple events. And we try our best to make sure all eight medalists, if there are eight, are on the award stand when we're presenting. And that includes eight relay teams as well. Officials. How many officials does it take to run the state track meet? It's probably close to 100. The state track championships are, for a lot of coaches and a lot of athletes, it is the only meet all year long where every event is run by a registered official. So we have seven field events. Most of those field events have a head field event judge, and they have two assistant field event judge. So, you know, you're three per those, and we run two pole vault pits. There are 24 people there. We have probably upwards of 20 on the track working as marshals and exchange zone judges with the bullpen. We have implement weigh-in. So it, it's right close to 100 officials. There are probably another 50 to 60 workers who work in different areas, different components supporting those officials, including our athletic trainers, our athletic training staff, which is about a dozen individuals, the timing company, and other support people, including the award stand people that I talked about. Where do all those people come from? All across the state of Missouri. There's a group of guys that have worked. They come out of the Rockport, Mound City, North, I mean, the very northwestern part. We have some meat officials out of Poplar Bluff. We have meat officials north of Hannibal. We have meat officials from the Joplin area. I mean, we do draw from all parts of the state. And we, we try to have that because one, we, we want to give those people opportunity, but two, it provides a comfortability level for our coaches. Because again, we have schools from all across the state who qualify. And so 
they like the fact that even though this person may be running the javelin, they recognize them from their area. And so if they have a question, sometimes they go to that person first, who then can get them to either finding the right person to talk to, which is typically myself or the head mean referee in a lot of times. So. So you have officials running the events. Yes. You have the timing company that's timing, certainly a backup system on our timing. Mm-hmm. You have athletic trainers and, and other people that are necessary to the actual administration of the meet, but there's more. So what about all those other people? Well, so we have student volunteers. Some of those come from schools that have other qualifiers and they're bringing in Jefferson City High School, Capital City High School have provided some student volunteers. They rake pits. They retrieve shots and discus and get them back to the athletes. They very carefully retrieve javelins and walk them back to athletes. We have people that put standards back up on the high jump and the pole vault. Some of those are adult workers. A lot of those are student workers. We also have a lot of adults and students that help out with entry. At our field events are old school. We hand enter stuff, but we also have usually an iPad or a mobile device there to electronically enter. So when we compare them, if the hand results and the electronic results match, it's a lot faster posting of those results. But the Jefferson City Convention and Visitors Bureau and Sports Commission do a great job supporting us. They are down there. They man beverages and get meals out to people and feed all of our workers Our staff, we have a few events through the year, football, basketball, track and field, which are what we kind of refer to as all hands on deck. If you are not at another championship, we are using you. They fill those spots. Jefferson City Public Schools also supply a number of workers to help with gate operations, to help with some supervision and, you know, maintaining the restricted areas so that we do not have non-competitors, non-coaches affecting the events. You talked about all hands on deck. We have talked in other podcasts about our office and their presence at certain championships. The spring is our time when we have championships on top of each other. And so our track and field championships are also the same time as our boys tennis championships. Same weekend, boys tennis on the individual singles and doubles goes an extra day in that first weekend, but then the second weekend, the team championships are exactly the same days as track and field. So we are split, you know, in between those two, we host softball championships, and then we go immediately, we take Sunday off, we go immediately into baseball right after track and field. We'll talk about that all through the spring as we're previewing our championships, because literally we come out of golf and go right into that first weekend, boys tennis and track and field. So we, we are busy. Uh, We we are busy during that time, and the track and field championships, as as I think you've done a really nice job of describing, is really big. It is. There are a lot of moving parts. We have people managing parking. We have people managing, as you said, the transportation between Tent City and the event level. We have people managing concessions and tickets and athletic training and coaches and participants. We have photos. We've got to take photos of every kid. At some point, we've got to catch them all and take a photo. We are constantly monitoring the weather. (laughs) We're making sure everyone stays hydrated. All of the things that really all of our member schools are doing every time they host a track meet, 
just on a, a little bit bigger scale. And actually, probably because of multiple classes, this is about as big as you're going to get. But many of our schools host really big meets, lots and lots of schools, lots and lots of athletes, probably not because, again, because of the different classes, probably not quite as big as the state meet. But what we're doing that weekend, you know, it's it's scaled up a little bit. But I just want to shout out to all those track coaches and athletic directors who put on these meets there's a lot to it, and they're doing it without the advantage of being the state association that can pull in a hundred officials from all over the state. They're doing these meets with coaches being judges. They're doing these meets with parents and volunteers from their communities coming in and helping to run meets. Uh, so it's kind of what every school who runs a track meet would like to be able to do with their home track meet. Yeah. Exactly. And track meets regularly are lots of moving parts. And, and it is, it's one of those cases, it's orchestrated chaos often. And you're right. We have the luxury when we host, because of what our track and field coaches wanted, and having officials at every field event, at every exchange zones, it's a benefit for us. It's a benefit for our coaches. One of the great things is I want when coaches come to the state meet, I want them to be able to coach, enjoy that culmination. Unfortunately, because of what we have available to us the previous two weeks in the lead up, districts and sectionals, some of those coaches are still having to run a shot put, having to be an exchange zone judge. And yeah, kudos to them. I, I, I give it up to them because without them, we wouldn't get to the state meet. And our administrators and our coaches do a bang up job. We see almost every school gets at least one qualifier down to the state track meet. And so over the course of two weekends, we see a little over 5,000 competitors and coaches down at event level. And it's a, it's a great, great experience. And one thing before we go, I want to mention, because I focused on individuals, relays, and field events. One of the other things that we do is that at our state meet, we do have a para-Olympian division. And we have... Over the course of the last 10 years or so, we've had many para-competitors come in, participate in races with wheelchairs. We also have a lot of athletes who compete in the shot put in discus, in chairs, and things like that. I didn't want to forget to mention them because that's also a great part of our track and field championships is the opportunity for those individuals to compete and represent their schools. Our district and sectional host sites... Do you choose all of those? Yes, I do. As we're apt to do, I've got a whole long list of schools who have said, hey, we're interested. They provide me with some information. I'm right now working on the jigsaw puzzle that is class and district assignments. And I've got some ideas of who I can have host in certain areas. But if depending on the numbers, I might have, I'll, I'll just pick Waynesville. I might have Waynesville slated to host, but then all of a sudden Waynesville goes from one district to another. And I'm like, yeah, I can't really, I, I need to have a, I need to have another school host. It, it is truly getting all the puzzle pieces, which we will have that out on Friday. So if you're listening to this, we are recording this in, in oh. March. You now know where all those sites, if you're a track and field person, you now know where all those sites are. However, that is when we, we make those decisions because we release class and district assignments in March. March 17th is our first allowable contest date for, for all of our spring sports. We're going to release on that Friday. By now, you know what those assignments are, but 
We try to make sure those class and district assignments are as real time as possible. We need to know which schools, by this point, they've been practicing now for a few weeks. We want to know which schools are committing to, yes, we're going to be, we're going to compete in this, in the season, and we want to be part of the postseason. And we use that data, again, try to be as real time as possible to make sure our classifications really reflect the participation of the schools in our state. The piece that I want every listener to hear, track and field championships, one of our biggest, if not our biggest, certainly sport, as far as number of participants in championships, track and field is the great leveler of all of our membership. You can be a school and have a track and field team with basically a piece of land or a parking lot or uh, a gravel road uh, or a field. Many of our schools, many of our schools compete in track and field without a track. They don't have a high jump bar. They don't have a pole vault pit. Now, sometimes you can't compete in those events and sometimes you find a way (laughs) to get it done. But it's pretty inspiring to think that when you're sitting at the track and field championships watching these kids, again, weekend one's a little bit different than weekend two, classes one and two versus class three and four and five. As far as the opportunity during the regular season to compete in, in, you know, fancy stadiums and those kinds of things, you are, I guarantee, you are watching a state qualifier, at least one, and if not many, who are not practicing on a track, (laughs) whose school doesn't have a track, and maybe is the only kid that's made it out. And being able to represent your school and represent your community in any number of events by finding a way to prepare and finding a way to to get in these meets is pretty special. You know, you got to have a ball diamond to play baseball. You got to have a gym to play basketball. And many of our schools, you know, they somewhat standard. Tracks are kind of (laughs) standard. But they're expensive. I've visited several schools in our state who have found ways to partner with their communities to put a track in at the school that also doubles as a, a community track, community exercise center. But it's a, I think it's, again, a great leveler for our schools that a kid can, can find a way to participate in that sport. I don't know, Lou, if you have anything else to say about that. You're exactly right. We do. I mean, <laughs> it's actually part of a struggle when you're trying to do site selection is when you're looking at a lot of our class one schools, a lot of our small schools, they provide a great opportunity for their kids, but they don't have a facility. They are always traveling also. They don't have a home track and field meet. So that's part of the reason why it's great when they can come down to Jefferson City because it is a phenomenal venue. There aren't many venues where you're going to have the opportunity to run pole vault three different directions, to have multiple jump pits, They have done a nice job of developing a javelin throwing area, and they just work to get better. And and I think that just like taking basketball or football to one of our collegiate venues, Jefferson City High School's track and field is equivalent to a lot of collegiate track and field venues. And in some regards, it's better. I know that, you know, we're at a high school, but it is a great track and field venue. And so those schools... Those kids who get out and run on the dirt track still or the cinder track or the gravel, when they get the chance to come down there, in some regards, there's a little bit of awe to it, but they have worked hard and they deserve that opportunity. Yeah. Do you have anything to add in our preview for the track and field championships in 2023? Well, I know this is the 2023 preview, but I'm going to put my plug in so that everybody hears this one more time and we'll say it a lot more actually. But we have a big change coming in 2024. 
In 2024, class three is going to shift from the second weekend to the first weekend. And part of that's about balance. It's about the number of coaches and the number of athletes that come with a class one team versus a class four or a five team with alternates. So we're going to make that change in 2024 again. And the reason I want to mention it now is as you're thinking about that, it might need to trigger some uh, administrators to look at their calendar of when's graduation, when's prom, those things that we all sometimes get to the month of May and realize, oh no, graduation and state track are on the same day. How's that going to work? Well, to that point, as I mentioned before, where you know the, the, the MISHA championships are all on top of each other in the spring, they're on top of each other while graduations and other kind of end of year celebrations that are very traditional and our member high schools are happening. And there's a number, you know, a number of conflicts. We are always going to have conflicts. When you run a Friday, Saturday event in May, you're going to conflict with something going on at the local high school. And, and that's the, the challenge of every administrator in our state trying to figure out how to make it all work. We could talk to a number of our school administrators. How do you handle all that? I know how our school used to do it, but there's there's a lot of moving parts when we talk about district tournaments and our state championships and, and all of those things. School people are amazing in what they try to manage and families, you know, they're trying to figure out how to also manage very busy Mays. May in school world is really April and May in school world is pretty overwhelming. And right in the middle of that, we're having our state track and field championships. So I think it some, somewhat adds to kind of the, the emotion of that event. There's a lot going on, especially for seniors. So a lot going on for these students and these families at that time in their life, not just the year, but that's a big moment in their life. And if you also qualify for the state track and field championships, it's just a lot going on. You know, that's what we do. And we're, we're pretty excited to be a part of that part of your life. Lou does a great job in putting on a really efficiently run, a really professionally branded track and field championship to honor that what's going on in in these kids' lives from freshman to senior, the end of the school year, possibly the end of your school career in conjunction with this event. It kind of adds to the emotion of the time. So Lou, thank you for joining us today. We are looking forward to an all-sunshine, low-temperature event. We have no idea what the weather will be the last two weekends in May. There's always the chance for additional drama with weather. It's one of those sports where you can keep going as long as there's no lightning, but we have had delays in the past and reschedule and... Lots of rain is not good, especially in some of the events. So it's a great venue. It's a great event. And we invite you to come down, even if you don't know about anybody that's competing. So, well, thanks for talking to us today. Thank you. Uh, and we thank you for listening to the Michelle All Access podcast. This is Dr. Jennifer Ruckstad, the Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Thank you for listening to the Misha All Access podcast and having an interest in Missouri high school activities and athletics. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Misha All Access podcast or any of the episodes in this podcast, please consider subscribing or liking with your favorite podcast provider. It helps other people find us, and we really appreciate you listening and supporting the Missouri State High School Activities Association.